Welcome and thank you for tuning in to the Graceland Church Podcast. Our mission is to follow Jesus and love our neighbor for the good of the city. When I was a kid, I used to love to draw. Do I have any fellow artists in the house? Any kids, any adults that love to draw? I was the kid who when I would get a worksheet in school, within five minutes, my worksheet was covered in doodles. I could barely even read what was supposed to be on it. I have a fellow doodler right here. And I know Katie Parker, I don't think she's here in person today, but she's probably online. She'll send me pictures after Sundays uh, about with the sermon notes, and she has just drawn pictures all over everything. Thankfully, it's about the sermon, which shows me she's listening. But she's a doodler just like I was. And every once in a while, I still like to draw something today. And I was inspired this week to draw something that I haven't drawn in a long time. I used to also make mazes. So I would draw a picture in the middle of the paper, and then I would create a maze around it. So for our kids today, I created this maze. It says Graceland Church in the middle, and then it is a legitimate, challenging maze. I had Novi test it out for me last night, and she tried for 20 minutes and couldn't even beat it. So I might have made it too hard for you. I might make a lot of kids frustrated today, but you can work on that maze during the service. And by the way, if you cannot get the maze beat, um, I will give you a special code that shows you the path to take. I'm serious. I created a little intricate code that will guarantee you can get to the end. So I'll help you out at the end. But if any of you finish it without any help, I want to know because I have a special prize for those who finish it. And everyone's going to get the prize, so don't worry about it. <laughs> Modern culture. But um, this is the maze. And sometimes life feels like a maze. Sometimes, oftentimes, life is a maze. And if your life is anything like my life and anything like the mazes that I make, you run into a lot of dead ends. And when you run into a dead end, it can be difficult trying to think through what to do in life next. And there's a specific thing that I pray for myself and my wife and my kids and our whole church on a regular basis. And that is that we would have a heart after God. Here's why. If you have a heart after God, it will navigate you through whatever challenges come in the maze of life. So when I'm praying for my kids, there's no way I could know everything they're actually gonna face in their life. I could not predict what the reality and challenges of their life are gonna be. But if I pray that their heart is after the Lord, I know that whatever happens in the maze, it will direct them and navigate them exactly to where God wants them to be. You guys tracking with me? And so our job is to focus on our heart and it will navigate us through. Now, one of the problems is, and tell me if you're with me, sometimes there's a lot of not godly stuff in our heart. Sometimes we don't feel like our heart is actually after God. Sometimes the more honest we are with ourselves, the more we realize there's a lot in our heart that probably should not be there and things that we would even be ashamed or embarrassed of if people really knew it. Anybody with me? That's where the promise today comes in. The promise is in Ezekiel 36, 26. We're focusing all year on the promises of God. It says this, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from your heart, I'll remove pardon me, I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. Now, this is in the Old Testament, which is the Old Covenant, but it is a prophetic promise that is realized in the gospel of Jesus in the New Covenant, which is that Jesus, through the good news, will give us, rather than the heart of sin, 
and the heart of shame, he will replace it with his very heart of life and flourishing and light. So from stone to flesh. And there's one person throughout the scripture that is described as having a heart after God, and his name was David. Listen to this context. He was the youngest son, so he was an underdog. He was a shepherd, a musician, a warrior. Ultimately, he became the king of Israel. Jesus came from the lineage of David. And so there there is a sense that David is a foreshadowing of what will be fulfilled in Jesus, pointing to Jesus. David was a hero, a leader. He did many exploits in the Lord. He wrote one of the most beautiful and famous songs of all history, Psalm 23. That starts with, the Lord is my shepherd. But David was also one of the most flawed characters in scripture. He had an affair. He lied. He committed murder. He wrestled with anger and depression. So how is it that David is described as having a heart after God? In Acts 13, 22, it says, God testified concerning him. I have found David, son of Jesse, a man after my own heart. So what we're going to do with the remaining time is I want to share with you four qualities of the new heart that God gives you. And we're going to learn how to lean into those qualities. And they were modeled in the life of David and fully realized in the person of Jesus. Number one, God will give you a new heart of humility. Charles Spurgeon said this, the best definition of humility I have ever heard is to think rightly of ourselves. It is to make a right estimate of one's self. So humility is not a pity party. It's not thinking, oh, I'm just horrible and terrible. It is the flip side of truth. So if there's a coin, on one side is truth, on the other side is humility. The more truth you get, the more humble you are. And the more humble you are, the more truth you receive. It's always a two-sided coin. So humility is the right estimate of oneself. David had a heart after God because he was humble. And one of the things that helps us understand the Psalms and why David had a heart after God was he modeled his humility by learning to quickly repent. My father always taught me growing up that maturity is measured by how quickly you repent, meaning you will make mistakes. Who's with me? You can track your growth by how quickly you repent from those mistakes. How quickly do you soften your heart and humble yourself and apologize and ask for forgiveness? That, by that measure, you can see how mature you are becoming. And if you read through the Psalms, David oftentimes would just be venting his anger. He would be complaining. So scripture is welcoming us to be honest with God. Sometimes we're enraged about our circumstance and even at God. David did that. He poured it out to God, but you'll see always by the end of the Psalm, David would repent. And he would say, Lord, but my trust is in you. My hope is in you. He would declare it even if he didn't fully believe it or feel it yet. He was declaring what he knew to be true based on who he knew God was. So my question is, how is your heart of humility? And you can learn from the great teacher, Jesus, who was humble in heart. Now, here's where the promise comes in. If you feel like you're just a prideful son of a gun, anybody with me? If you just feel like you have pride in your heart, it's not about you figuring out how to get your heart humble. It's about you receiving the promise of the new heart, the promise of a heart of humility in Christ, and then leaning more into that reality. You see the difference? By one token, you're trying to figure out how to make yourself humble. That's not the gospel. The gospel says, I have given you a humble heart. Now learn to walk in it. So learn to walk in the promise of the new heart humble heart. Number two, God will give you a new heart 
of servanthood. Jesus modeled the heart of a servant. In fact, when his disciples were arguing about who would be the greatest in the kingdom of heaven, in other words, they were posturing. Did you already finish the maze? Oh, oh, it's just too hard. My, one of my daughters is complaining about the difficulty of the maze while I'm preaching. Love you, honey. Keep trying. <laughs> you finished it? I'll check that out later. I'll check that out later, sweetheart. I have no idea what I was just talking about. Oh, you think that's funny? <laughs> when the disciples of Jesus... We're arguing about who is the greatest. Jesus said what? The greatest among you will be your servant. Now, kids, look at me for a second. Sometimes at school, we're always trying to figure out where we fit in. We're trying to figure out how we measure up. We're looking at other people. We're seeing what they do, what they act like, what they look like. And we're trying to figure out where do I fit? Who are my friends? Well, Jesus would say that the greatest person in your whole school would be the one who learns to serve the other students. So if you ever see a kid sitting alone in the lunchroom who's getting picked on or who people are making fun of or who just looks lonely, the way that you can have a humble heart and be like Jesus and be the greatest in the school is to go sit with that person and help them out. You guys know what I mean? That is what we are taught in scripture. A heart of servanthood is what the Lord says is great. David had a heart after God because he was willing to serve and not just serve, but serve in obscurity. David practiced on the fields. He defeated the lion and the bear in obscurity. In today's day and age, you would have had a picture to grab a shot of that thing and get it on the Instagram real quick and see how many likes you can get. But in obscurity, David was developing the heart of servanthood. So do not despise your obscurity. No, lean into it, serve well, understand God has given you the promise of the new heart. We get fooled into thinking that life is about doing big, great things that seem big and great, but really the biggest and greatest thing we can do is to serve. And the way that practically looks, it starts with those who are closest to you. If you wanna be more of a servant, if you wanna walk more in the promise of the new heart, Serve those that are closest to you. How many married couples can attest to me and say, sometimes the hardest person to serve is your spouse? Yes. Or maybe your brother or your sister, or maybe your parents, or maybe your grandparents. Start by serving them. And then it gets even tougher. But Jesus says, love and serve your enemy. Think of the person that annoys you. It might be the same person, your spouse or your brother or your sister. Think of the one you consider an enemy. In our current state of our nation, where things seem to be more divided than they've been in a long time, don't forget, Jesus calls you to love and serve your enemy. You don't get a lot of amens right now for talking about enemy love, yet Jesus talked about it all throughout scripture, and we, we learn that it is part of the heart of God. So don't forget, your fight is not against flesh and blood but against powers and spiritual forces in the heavenly realms. We're not fighting against people. We're certainly not fighting against each other in the church. Goodness, our fight is not against other Christians. We're meant to love them, to serve them. It's okay if we disagree about things. We can be civil, we can move forward together. Now, if you are struggling with the heart of servanthood right now, I encourage you, remember, God has given to you it as a, as a promise. He says, I have put a heart of servanthood in you, and then what you can do is learn to live into that reality more. Number three, God will give you a heart of faithfulness. One of the things the Lord does through his word is he teaches us that his scorecard regarding what success is, 
is completely different than the world's. It's completely different than the one we think it normally is. And let me encourage you, don't buy in to the scorecard of the world. Rather, learn what the scorecard of God is so that you can learn what true success is. Success in God's playbook is faithfulness, nothing more and nothing less. I have a longtime member who's taught me, learn to be faithful in the moment. So now is an important time for you to ask yourself, Lord, what does it look like for me to be faithful right now, right in the middle of 2020 with my current relationships, with exactly where you have placed me? How have you called me to be faithful? What does success look like? David was learning to be faithful in the moment. If you feel like you're not faithful, what you do is you hold to the promise of the new heart. He has said, I've put a faithful heart in you. And then you lean into that reality. Number four, God will give you a new heart of readiness. Readiness. I think the combination of humility, servanthood, and faithfulness leads to readiness. David was after God's heart because he was ready to step up to the plate when God called him to. It was evidence with the bear, the lion, then Goliath, then becoming king over and over again. How many of you kids have ever played sports? Show me your hand. How many of you adults have ever played sports? How many of you adults used to play sports and now you can't play sports? <laughs> Things hurt a little bit more now. Things change. But man, do you remember the first time you played baseball or softball or something like that? And you were, you were called upon by your team and your coach to step up to the plate. When you step up to the plate, it's a scary place to be because all eyes are on you and you need to make a hit for your team. I also pitched as a kid for a while and I never, I'll remember feeling lonely out there on the pitcher's mound as a little 11 year old or whatever I was and trying to pitch the ball and throw strikes and I hit plenty of batters and I threw plenty of balls and walked plenty of people, but there was this sense that I needed to stay in the game. I think part of a heart of God is readiness. David modeled this for us. Jesus modeled this for us by giving his entire life as a ransom for us. You know, sometimes readiness and humility seem to contradict one another. Let me give you a powerful illustration. My dad was a Navy chaplain and he served on a ship called the USS Bainbridge for a number of years based in Norfolk, Virginia. We lived in Virginia Beach and me and my brother were little kids and we got to go out on that ship sometimes for things called a tiger cruise. And one of the things on ships and different things in the military is a, I don't even know the exact name, but a marine port door. And basically these are smaller doors. The bottom doesn't go all the way to the bottom because sometimes there's water on the bottom of the ship. So there's something you have to step over. And then usually it doesn't go all the way up, it's down lower. And sometimes uh, they can just be circles. And there's an interesting thing that this door demands of you in order to get through it. it you have to, ha you have to at the simultaneously do two seemingly opposing motions. One is you have to kneel down. Two, you have to also step up in order to get through that door. And I think that is a beautiful picture of how God calls us to be humble and ready and bold at the same time. You, are, you humbly have to kneel down at the exact same time as God is calling you to step up. And that's a good way to think about this year and all the challenges we face. It's not humble to say, I'm out, let other people play. No, no, no. God has called you to step up to the plate, but you do it with humility, just like going through one of those doors. So the whole while that you're stepping up, you're also bending down and you will get through the door and God will use you powerfully. And that is part of having a heart after God. And he has placed that new heart in you by a promise. What we're gonna do to close this service, and I'm gonna ask Andy to come. We're dismissed. May the God 
of peace who raised Christ from the dead strengthen your inner being for every good work. And may the blessing of God Almighty, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit rest upon you and dwell within you this day and evermore. I love you guys very much. Have a wonderful afternoon. Lord willing, we're here next week. Jane, we're celebrating with you. We love you guys at home. Have a wonderful afternoon. Just dismissed by Rose. Just make sure it's not too crowded, then you guys can head out. Love you.